so as a storm descends upon Bromsgrove, yes, that's where I live, <laughs> welcome to episode 125 of the Outside Centre Film Podcast. Uh, before we get to the films, and I'll be uh, doing those films with Paul uh, this week, uh, I just want to say a bit of a thank you, really. The director of Air Conditioner that myself and Ben reviewed last time out, that was rightly Film of the Week, he uh, reached out to me with a little personal voice message uh, a few days ago, and I just want to thank him doubly really he, he appreciates the review and uh, obviously you know we are very grateful to him for his excellent film that we enjoyed uh, and his super duper cast and crew uh, again very very grateful and very very impressed and excited for his future uh, and Fredique you know keep making the films like this keep doing what you're doing because what you're doing uh, obviously works and uh, I know that we will do your next film on the podcast uh, and we look forward to doing so very much and of course uh, Fredique it might not be the last time this film gets mentioned on the podcast this year it's a fair competition and it's a long competition we're about halfway through the year in terms of compiling a list of film of the year hey you know as I say the competition is fair and just but there's every chance there's every chance that uh, Paul will be watching Air Conditioner if the film makes it onto the film of the year list. So you can hear us, you can hear us talk about it all over again, Fredique. So, yep, again, no, honestly, the pleasure is ours. Thank you for hitting, uh, hitting me up f- with a message. And uh, if you are listening to this, then, uh, you know, again, the pleasure is all ours. Right, uh, business then, Paul. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start off with Supernova. Uh, and I think you're probably best place to start off on this because you saw it at a, an actual film festival, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so it was one of the films that played at the Glasgow Film Festival. Uh, Supernova is a Polish film from a director called Bartosz Krulik. He's actually a, a first-timer as in feature films on the screen, but he's, when I was looking through his IMDb uh, profile, he has done a lot of uh, TV, yeah. TV, TV stuff. And the, the premise is very, very straightforward, very simple, three men, one place, one event that will change the life of each of them. So basically, the first scene that we see, I don't know what you call the, the camera lens. It's like the camera's where we are, but in the distance, you see people just coming out uh, at the side. It's like uh, an idyllic sort of countryside, yeah. uh, very tranquil. And then you see this woman with two little boys coming towards the camera, and then you, you hear a man behind them, uh, it just basically just shatters uh, the, 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 the tranquility. And basically, as they get closer and closer, you hear the two of them arguing uh, and until you get up to, until they're virtually up at the camera and you realise what they're arguing about. Obviously, the, 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 it's a man and wife, a husband and wife, and the wife, is she's just had enough. Uh, what you do here is you hear them opening cans of beer or cans of lager, so suggesting he's an alcoholic, and then you do see him, he's, he's down, and one, they had a little argument, and she storms off, and uh, he takes a drink, and then this car comes up, and he tries to <laughs> he tries to get in the car to catch up, and his wife, but he ends up being sick all over the car, and the car just drives off, and before the car's away, he's opened up, it looked like a bottle of vodka or something, you know, the little minis you get in the airplanes, and he collapses, and bang, you hear a smash. I don't like to say too much else about it, as in the sense, but you could probably guess, 
an event, a tragic event has happened. And basically, it is around three men. One of them is the driver, one of them is the alcoholic man, and one is a policeman. Because uh, when you do see it, it does rely a lot on uh, sound. Because yep, yep. it is a, a very, very low budget. I think it was about 300,000 euros, which is about, about 250,000 pounds. Uh, more own money. It is a very modest film, and it doesn't rely on any special effects. It's all in the sound design, as I say, with the car crashing and the the, the you know, the bottles, uh, uh, the cans of beer opening up as well. I mean, the the film is really does rely on the reactions from all the actors, and I'm I'm not an expert on Polish uh, uh, films. I could probably say a lot of the actors are either from are either first-time actors or they maybe appeared in any of the directors' uh, TV shows as well. And the, act, the acting, I have to say, the acting wasn't too bad. There was a few sort of debatable, uh, it, was, it was a little bit obvious, it looked a bit fake. But the film does obviously highlight uh, uh, the fact that click of fingers, one little thing can happen, and it, it's like a dynamo effect, it can just change everyone's life yeah so and basically as you go along you you, you learn about the culprit who the culprit in accent is uh, uh, i don't know how to say this i mean mention what his position is you know as in the film because it, i don't I, I don't really know if it's a spoiler or not he is a politician or a government who works for the government anyway uh, and obviously we know about the husband and the policeman, they'll also learn about the policeman who was uh, first on the scene. He's related to the drunk man as well. Uh, it's, it's, it is a very intense drama, very chaotic, very explosive. When I looked at it, it looked like a, I don't know, could you say a better episode of like uh, Hobie or Casualty? Oh, that's, uh, entirely, oh, that's entirely fair, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'll go along with that. But as in, as you know, in casualty, a lot they 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 build up this little like story, of the actual characters, uh, and uh, maybe what is up with that person that gets them to casualty or Hobie City. Uh, this is really about the effects of the people. Yeah, how effect which if you watch TV dramas, you don't really see much of, or even in film. Uh, so it's really showing you the effects of that. Uh, I don't know what you think. There's a few other things I've got about the film as well. You know, uh, does it? I don't know if I, I should say them. I know you want to say uh, what you think of the film, and then I can obviously say a few other things about it. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is a very, very, very strange little film. Yeah. Um, you know, when you kind of break it down, having seen it, like nothing actually happens in it really, other than the event. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really offer any twists and turns at any point. Uh, but I can't deny that it's well shot, as you've said. Yeah. It takes place in one location. It's almost like it was shot in one take, which it definitely wasn't, but it's got that kind of vibe about yeah. it. It's a well-made film. It's a well-casted film. And all the rest of the normal stuff that you want a film to have, which kind of leads me to believe that what we have here, Paul, is an accomplished debutant film maker rather yeah. than an accomplished debut film. Uh, yeah. And to be quite frank, uh, that's going to have to do for me this week. 
uh, I've got no choice but to say it's my film of the week uh, yeah. because I just I, the other two that we'll move on to have problems for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do. yeah. Um, so you know, this is for me very much kind of a mini commentary on the competence or indeed incompetence of the police police for, police force. Yeah, uh, the corruption of politicians. Uh, you know how people feel obliged to take the law into their own hands because of the police force, because of the politicians. Yeah. Uh, you'll get all of that in here, but then again, you'll get all of that in a lot of other films too. Uh, yeah. it, this is kind of like, you mentioned hobby, hobby casualty. Uh, if any, we have some, we have foreign international listeners too. They might not know those, but uh, this would be the Polish version of crash. Maybe yeah. uh, with less racism, but more everything else. Then uh, this is kind of like that really. Um, yeah. What's it, good it, is that the film kind of takes place in this one stretch of road. I like how it doesn't change from that. But again, and and I think you've kind of alluded to it as well. There's actually no real drama here, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're totally true as well. And and it's you know what it actually reminds me of? Uh, uh, it's like a thing that you sometimes do at an interview stage where you get the say you were either in a plane crash you're in a desert or you're on a desert island and you've got these people, these items. Yeah. Uh, what order would you put them in order of importance? Yes. So, so basically, <laughs> I think what it is, is it's saying is what that type of interview thing is to get someone who's getting interviewed to go in and take control and go, right, what do you think? And start asking other people who are in the interview. And... I think the old, the older police chief who comes in here, uh, he starts telling all the, the the cops that are there what to do. I think he's the guy who takes control. Right, you go and do this, which he, he tries to do. You go and do this. You do that. Go and help her. Type thing. It also just shows uh, the power of social media as well. If you think the young guys who had the the the, the mobile phones, who were taking pictures, they recognised uh, one of the people uh, in, in, uh, in the film. They recognised, obviously, he's a politician and he's got a history. It's been in the media. So it's a little bit of that as well. And obviously, uh, you, you can clearly see it as a village. You know, never, these police people have never, ever experienced anything like this and. And they're just standing around, you know. Even when the the the, the Aravel just c- came uh, around as well, it was like they couldn't even control them because everyone was just that curious. It's like that. I don't know if you have ever been in the bus or the train, and, and there's like a little crash, maybe a bump or something, and you sort of look around. It's like that, just to see what's happening. Yeah, that's what I think. And I kept wondering. Why supernova? What's the supernova bit? And it's at the end. It is. I'm glad uh, you brought that up. And now would be a good time to move on to it. Uh, yeah. Because as we said, the film basically captures people crying or being angry and not a lot else happens in this movie. So yeah. in that sense, that side of it is completely done. However, I'm glad you brought the ending up, as I say, because it's in the title, Supernova. Yeah. Why is it called Supernova? Having reached the end, uh, we've seen the ending, it's abundantly clear to me that the director himself has either heard something or read something about supernovas in real life. Yeah. And he just wanted to get that into a film somehow. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and then he, I think he literally had the idea of a film to do with a devastating event. 
Yeah. Then he, whilst he was kind of penning this film, he was just flicking through the radio or something, and he heard something about supernovas. Yeah. And then he thought, oh, why not make a film with both of those things in it and try and link them together somehow? Now, okay, fair enough. Reasonable idea, reasonable effort, except, you know, it doesn't work what he chooses to do. Like, yeah. there's there's one scene, and it's... The, and it's basically one scene that he wants to link the two things together, the event and the supernova, which is also an event. So we'll call yeah. it supernova, of course. There's one scene, and I know you probably agree with me which one it is. It's when the politician stands on top of his car. Yeah. And it involves the arrival of another form of vehicle. Yeah. Now, the way that felt that scene takes place, the way that it's shot, the way that it's meant to make you think there's something supernatural going on here, whereas in actual yeah. fact, it's another vehicle arriving on the scene. <laughs> and, it, and and then the very, very end of the film, which we're not going to spoil because we try not to do that thing, brings yeah. it back to supernovas literally again. So it's like, yeah. hey, you've, you know, you've tried to do it, you've tried to make a connection, but uh, to be quite honest, when the final credits rolled, Paul, I just sat back and thought, it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. As in, when you see how they get to enter the film, you go, is that it? It's tenuous at best. It's shoehorned in at worst. The other good thing about the film is, is at length, it's not a very long film. And thank God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, and it probably just a little bit longer than, as I said, the TV episode, maybe about 10 minutes so you know, it's it's like it says it's seventy eight minutes long, but it ends up only being about seventy two minutes, and then obviously all the credits makes up the last four or five minutes of it. But yeah, yeah, I have to agree. It's definitely, it was definitely the one that I didn't have very, very any major problems about the actual film. It was just that little bit we were yeah. just mentioning at the end. That was the only bit I go. Mm, that was a bit cheap. That was a bit corny. I mean, it's one of those where it's not the film that I enjoyed the most. It's the one that I disliked the least this week for me. And uh, yeah. it's, it's supernova by far. So therefore, it has to be filmed the week. I wouldn't bet your, ho- your house on it that I'll be talking about this at the end of the year. We shall see how the rest of the year goes. Yeah. But uh, no, this is a, a very, very odd film. Um, so it's up to you whether you want to watch it. Or obviously, we've obviously said our bit. I think, well, are we in agreement of it being filmed the week in that sense? Yes. Yeah, okay. Anyway, do stick around because we have other things to talk about, including Aurora. Now, as you folks know, we always take a look at what's happening in Scandinavia when we can, in particular with regards to the film awards of the Scandinavian nations. The Yussi Awards from Finland were due to take place in March this year, but obviously they didn't. So we are taking a look at two of the most nominated Finnish films on the podcast this year. The film with the second most nominations will get reviewed next time out with myself and Ben Woodiwis, or rather the time after that, I should think. Uh, no, it won't be next time, it'll be the time after that. Later on in the year, anyway. So, let's instead focus on the film that had the most Yussi Award nominations for Finnish Film of the Year. Uh, and it's called Aurora. Uh, following a rather hot-looking titular character, I must say, Paul. I don't, yeah. mind, I don't mind saying that. It's, it's one for us, uh, us adult men, should we say. <laughs> yeah. uh, Aurora is a lady who likes to drink. She likes to sleep around a little. Uh, she looks after her ill father. She works as a nail technician, but ultimately is just a bit lost in life until she meets an Iranian immigrant at a late-night grill and she agrees to help him get married to someone in order for the Iranian immigrant's child to get asylum. Uh, it's a romantic comedy. Yeah. So there is the review. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I sort of knew about it, obviously. But, you know, so you've, I've already given you the plot line. You can see where this is going to go. And it doesn't deviate from that at any point, hardly. Uh, and unfortunately, very little else happens other than what I said. Uh, and, and unfortunately, nothing really happens in this romantic comedy that hasn't, that hasn't happened in every bleeding romantic comedy of the yeah. last half a century. So, you know, Paul, I'm not a big fan of romantic comedies, but I at least hoped that being Finnish, they would at least do something different with it. They didn't. The only difference is the humour. And I love Finnish humour. It's very dry. They're very self-deprecating as people. And there's lots of that in here. And don't get me wrong, I did find some of it quite funny uh, because some of it is so typically Finnish. If you've ever watched Finnish cinema, you'll you'll feel right at home in this, in in, in the sense of the humour, but also in terms of other things that are happening in the film as well. There's a lot of talk about committing suicide and death in this movie, which again is so typically Finnish. Uh, you know, but not actually getting around to doing it. There's also kind of lots of talk about wanting to desperately get out of Finland, which again is a staple of Finnish cinema. And again, for one reason, one reason or another, not quite been able to do it. Um, so the comedy side is fine. Aurora herself, I liked a lot as a character. I think she carried the film quite well. Dorian, the Iranian immigrant, Paul, however, I did not. Uh, following Herb around as she was trying to get her life sorted, living her life I liked, Darian trying to get married, I did not. So that's ultimately the problem for me. If you've got, if you only like half of a couple in a romantic <laughs> comedy, that, that obviously is a film that's meant to be about both of them, you've got yourself a problem, Paul, and this film is a problem for me. Yeah, for me as well. I mean, I think it was just like a, I would just say like a service type of comedy it ticks all the boxes if you like your your comedies uh, your your rom-coms but at the same time it doesn't at times feel like a, a like a sort of stereotypical hollywood it does have that sort of little indie feel to it but that doesn't mean to say it's any better no as well uh, to personally when it comes to comedy from finland it was someone that could as like other side of hope, who does a lot of things that this film is trying to do, as in, yeah. like the immigration type thing, which other side of hope uh, was uh, uh, does sort of cover his type of humour is very dry, which you mentioned. I find uh, great. The only thing I liked about it was when rom coms, they always make one person, the male person, uh, shining out armour, the perfect man, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, the female character, they always make her, yep, she's very good at everything she does. All she's missing is a Prince Charming. This, however, they made her normal, I would say. Yeah. She's got her problems. She likes a drink. She looks after her dad. Uh, she's a bit of slacker. And like a lot of his well days, like, oh, I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. Let's go to the pub. Obviously, we can't do it at the moment. Well, soon we may be able to do it. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a charming movie, but if if you, if you were going into ratings, I would probably get like a, just, just touching sort of three out of five. Yep, it has a lot of flaws. It has some good things. Uh, it could be like a movie you can just play in the background type thing. That's the sort of type of movie. Yeah. 
I thought of it. Uh, a lot of people keep going on about the scene in the motor because she's at times it was it reminded me of like a like a poor man's Emma. She was even though you could see the two of them were trying uh, they were trying to get pair the two together. She's like a matchmaker, as in obviously Darren goes for the older lady yeah. as well. And then it's a bit they always you always see in reviews the picture of her sitting in between them with a red jacket on. Some people say that was the funniest part. Yeah, I had a few moments in it, but yeah, like you, yeah, it was ve- it was very forgettable. It was okay, but very forgettable. The best, the best character for me was actually the old lady in the old people's yeah. home because she eventually, she eventually, uh, Aurora eventually gets herself a well. She she gets she works there, but she also ends up living there for various reasons. Yeah. She actually ends up living in an old people's home, which we won't spoil if you if you want to watch this, or if your if your significant <laughs> other forces you to watch this, which I know happens. So <laughs> that's that is a thing. But then again, I don't know how many I don't know how many people force people to watch Finnish romantic comedies. Anyway, that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. That is is a is a hypothetical in a real situation. So, um. Yes, and she was hilarious. This old lady, she the the, the singing about um, vaginas and stuff like it's yeah. funny, great stuff. And th- th- there's a lot of stuff in there about Finnish culture and, and Finnish attitudes. Yeah. Again, as a Finnish fan, and I love the people, I love the country, I love the cinema. Absolutely great. I wanted more of that, and and I had plenty of it as it was. That was absolutely fine. However. Uh, pacing issues as well. We haven't really talked about that yet. It feels three hours long to me. Yeah. And that's not the first time I'm going to say this in the podcast. Uh, it's going to come later on. It felt three hours. Yeah. Uh, and and you, you cannot, you know, you really can't overdo a romantic comedy because you know what's going to happen. So you just, you're just extending the, the, the pain. You know, you're prolonging it. It's just like, just get on with it, really. Uh, and that, that was a huge problem for me. Um, and... <laughs> Let's be fair, this is a very left-wing film as well, which 50% of you will be happy with and 50% of you won't be happy with. People know which way I go. I am not of that inclination. Therefore, I didn't like it. But as you said, The Other Side of Hope is also a left-wing film, and yet that's a fuck-ton better than this. Yes, yeah. uh, Everything, like pacing, uh, editing even, characters, humour, it's all far, far superior to this. But of course, it's Kurosaki. So I, I really don't like to compare other Finnish directors to Kurosaki because yeah. Kurosaki is unique in the world. Yeah, you have, have Kurosaki lights who, who evidently there's one, there's a few, there's one in Belgium whose name escapes me, and there's a few dotted about the place that really style themselves on Kurosaki, but they are not Kurosaki because he's the originator and the one and only. So yeah. I, I do try to stay away from doing that. However, it's it's actually impossible when you do see a finished cinema piece of cinema and it just makes you yearn for Kurosaki because there's elements that aren't as good and there's a combination of things that aren't as good. And it's like, well, bearing in mind, he's probably not going to make any more films ever again. It's kind of disappointing. And the fact that this had 13 Yossi award nominations, that's a lot of nominations for various things for film of the year in Finland. And I couldn't tell you anything without having seen every single film that Finland has put out this year, or calendar year 2019-2020, I can't see how this film would do anything better than the vast majority of those other films, Paul. Yeah, it must have been a bad week in uh, Finnish cinema. It must have been a terrible year. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find out with the next one. That we'll, I mean, we'll have to do it, won't we? We will have to do it next time when we come yeah. on. We will do it and we'll compare them. That's the only fair way of doing it. 
Uh, I, I, anyway, it can, the only way is up in terms of that. The, the next one, I'm sure, hopefully can at least give us something else to buy on than this. This, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard watch. Especially the beginning of the movie, it's very hard watch. Uh, it's a Lithuanian... I actually really like the beginning because I thought... Yeah, okay, I did. This, I is did not, well. this is not what I'm expecting. It, like Again, as you said, they've made it very clear that you are not going to start off with perfection like you normally do. The yeah. perfect woman, the perfect man, that again, the only thing missing is each other. This is <laughs> not the case in both cases. So the perfect woman, absolutely not. She's got issues, even diet issues, hygiene issues, like all the rest yeah. of it. Um, what she does with boiled eggs is quite interesting. Then, <laughs> then, of course, then of course, you've got Darine, who's got political things going on there. Uh, and 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 obviously he shouldn't even be there, really. So yeah. he's kind, and, and he's very deliberately doing. He's marrying not for the sake of love, like that. That is, uh, if you're of a certain, and that brings his own religious beliefs into it. So that's some of the element that is there, has been done better elsewhere, but necessarily is there. Yeah. But um, and then there's racism a bit as well between the, uh, occasionally like misunderstandings and racial stuff. Obviously, you've got. Uh, Western European woman and an Eastern European man. So you've got that. It's it isn't a pure disaster. It's just really, really, really predictable. And yeah. again, if you've seen it, uh, the only thing I think would be surprising to most people who haven't seen finished cinema before that maybe might want to. Ch- it's an easy way for them to get to a finished film, right? Yeah, they'll feel comfortable doing it. They'll, they'll enjoy the humour side of it. So in that sense, but, you know, I think our audience is far too nuanced to be pissing around with some, some <laughs> standards. They want the better ones from Finland and the rest of the world. So, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, felt, I felt myself going defensive, but I'm, what am I defending? Uh, nothing, really. So yeah. let's end with uh, Isaac. Yeah, uh, Isaac or Isaac o. Isaac Cass, as its Lithuanian name is. So we've stuck stuck to, we've been Poland, Finland, and now we're sort of staying around the Baltics for Lithuania. Exactly. Uh, It's a director called Jurgis Matalevakusius. That's not bad for me, actually. Oh, it's very good. (laughs) I think think it's to do with me being Scottish and uh, a certain team from Edinburgh used to be owned by a Lithuanian. So uh, and he used to have half the Lithuanian football team in there, but now they're relegated. I don't care about them anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm the green half. Oh, okay. Glasgow. Uh, it's basically Isaac is uh, based on a short story by a Tannish schemer. Uh, it starts out in the Connors, which is the capital of Lithuania, 1941. It's World War Two activists. As is is plot puts him is Andreas. Uh, you see this uh, opening scene. Uh, it's hard to really describe, but it's a really tough. This is but really tough to watch. Uh, basically, this scene you see you see him killing uh, a man called a Jewish man called Isaac. Basically, this area, uh, this scene that you see uh, opening scene uh, is based on the Aleppo Gary's massacre. Which between according to the history, between forty sixty local Jewish men and women and children were tortured and massacred by the German soldiers and uh, sort of local uh, sympathisers. Uh, it was seen as the early days of Operation Barbosa, which was uh, which led to the occupation of the country, the Nazi occupation of the country. 
So after that, it jumps nearly 20, 25 years to the mid-1960s. Soviets are now ruling uh, the country with an iron fist. And Andreas is a man who, the way to describe it, he's, 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 he's drowning guilt. And it's, it's just destroying his life. Yeah. He's an alcoholic. He's nasty to his wife. Not necessarily abusive, but he's just nasty to his wife. And it goes forward to uh, the port area, and there's this uh, man coming back. Gedomas is his name. It's, he's a famous director, uh, Lithuanian director, returning from America 20 years after. Why is he returning? Basically, he's wanting to make a film about this massacre. And uh, he's actually under his friend. And basically, as you can see, uh, basically the film, it's, according to them, is split into three parts. The opening scene is obviously the, the, the scene of the garage, the massacre. You see people, explosives, horses running past, buildings derelict and falling apart, bombs going off. And then you get into a sort of courtyard area and there's people getting hurt with sticks, pigs squealing, Nazi soldiers are standing around and then you can see these people beaten. Uh, obviously, as you could guess, it's uh, the Jewish men and women. Uh, and Andres, he, he, he's, he's a bit of a, how would you say, an introvert type person. Yeah. And he's very... And he's walking through, and this man grabs him and, and, and basically, are you a Jew? Are you a Jew? Prove yourself, prove yourself. Have you seen any like, World War Two films and Nazis? Get your papers out, get your papers out. Let's see your ID. And then he drags him in and says, prove it, shoot this Jew, or hit him, which he does. And then it goes forward back to this. So, I mean, this scene is very disorientating. It's very disturbing, and it's it's a gut punch to yourself as well. I mean, it's a very violent uh, uh, scene. So obviously, you go back to the 60s, this uh, Gedimus, he was actually one of the... He was the man who grabs Andres to tell him to prove. But somehow, when they, when they, to prove he's not a Jew. So when they, when they meet 20 years later, suddenly they're friends. I'm wondering what, what went on or how suddenly they're friends uh, type thing. And then you can see he's got eye for his wife uh, and his wife as well. So obviously they've got a bit of history between them as well. Uh, 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 Elena is his, uh, Andrew's wife. But at the same time, obviously being a Soviet country, it's, uh, the, the Soviet, the KGB are keeping tabs on them. They want to know why is this, America, this guy coming back from America, capitalist America, to, to go to uh, Soviet uh, communist Russia. They haven't got a clue. So basically, the film, listen to you last week, uh, in the last uh, uh, the last uh, podcast, we were talking about, with Ben about uh, black and white films. Do they serve a purpose? This film, I was, when I was thinking after that, I says, let's review this movie. I think God uh, feels going to hate this film because of the because does it really dis, uh, serve the purpose of the film going black and white color? Because what it does, it goes black and white, and then little bits of color every so often, and that puzzled me as well. 
Yeah. Why? Why was it colour? And at the same time, there's a there's a, there's a scene when he's in a bar and he's Andreas and Gedimas are talking away. They're they're uh, talking about things. I thought this this just started to remind me of notice uh late night Saturday night movies at two three in the morning at BBC Two and Channel Four used to show. Uh, Russian films or Czech films, <laughs> definitely well said. So that remind me of that. And it's ironic that uh, also that Andres's job is a criminal pho- pho- photographer as well. He takes the pictures when there's a crime scene, he's the one that goes in and takes all the pictures you know, for the police's evidence. And obviously, he, he suffered, well, he's been through this terrible event and he's involved in it as well with the shooting. Uh, Events like that, your mate, your mind's like a photograph. So I think that was a little bit of metaphor as well. It, it was a really, really odd film. It definitely was a film that never painted the Nazis or the, the Soviets as good people, which has been in history. Both are really bad as well. And and you and basically, Gedimas was there to make a film about this uh, event as well, but. At the same time, he was getting investigated and uh, by a man called Casimiris, and he was getting to a point where his two was Gedimas's reasons for doing this and it dragged Andreas into it again. And it was like, to me, it was like all the events were happen- happening again. Like, yeah. I mean, History the, the, repeating itself. Exactly, especially in the house where he meets Andrews and they have a party and a uh, party and then he's walking down and he starts to have that fit and I thought, I, I, I was him walking through the courtyard again in the garage uh, 20 years ago. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, I like bits in it, but it was just a very messy film. It was a very, very, very messy film. And also, like the first film, the director was a first-time director. However, I don't know if he was like the the director of Supernova, who established himself in the television in Poland. I don't know if he was established before he made the jump into feature film. It It was a messy film, I would say, but it had points where... See if it kept to the the opening scene in the film. To me, that reminds me of films like you no, know, like a bit, uh, uh, Son of Saul, that type. It was going in that sort of direction. I thought mm, maybe, but I don't know what you think. Well, I, did, I, I like nothing about it at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'd love to end the podcast right now than rather talk about this fucking yeah. film. But anyway, you were right. Black and white is a problem for me. Uh, I mean, but basically, this was like half an hour of boring people wittering on incessantly yeah. in black and white. And I switched yeah. off. I really yeah. was not in the mood. Whether that makes me right or wrong, that's up to you. Watch the film, make your own mind up. For me, you know, yet another example of a film using black and white that adds absolutely nothing to the experience. It gets on my tits. <laughs> I mean, they're not the 1941 stuff at the beginning. OK, look, I don't like seeing it. But cinema generally accepts that 40s and earlier, 1940s and earlier, can be cinematically black and white. Whether it should be, I have my view, everyone has theirs, but at least it makes sense. However, 
absolutely no way should the film be black and white when they move to the Cold War era of this film, the 60s. Yeah. Absolutely no way. What do football referees, you mentioned football already, what do football referees and black and white movies have in common? If they, can, if they are conspicuous, they have done well. Like <laughs> I, ca- I cannot take the vast, vast majority of directors seriously that think they are doing something in black and white in this era of filmmaking, 2020 and earlier, is cool. Or that he adds anything, especially as a backdrop to the most boring of wars. Like, Cold War, nothing happened in it. The, its very problem was that nothing happened in it. It was mistrust, and it was, you know, it, it was a silent war. If anyone's yeah. ever done that war at school, it was boring to learn because nothing happened. So you've got to be so careful doing a movie about this. So then you do a movie about the Cold War, and or at least part of the film to do with the Cold War. Essentially, most of it is in the Cold War, following people from the previous world wars. Like, yeah. So, you know, you, you've got that. Let's have a little bit of a something in here other than miserable people wittering on. And that's all that happened in the movie. It's like, spare me. You know, spare me this crap, yeah. really. It's just, I don't care that it's Lithuanian. I don't care that it's a, it's, it's a debutant filmmaker again. I don't care that he thinks he's doing something special here. He isn't. And it's not. Like, I'm treating it like any other film in that sense. It's black and white. It's miserable, it's wittering on, and it's not worth anyone's time. The passport is irrelevant. You know, the subtitles or not are irrelevant. None of that matters. This film sucks, and I'm really, really pissed off with it, to be honest. Like, it's just such a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah, you know the one bit I actually liked about it was uh, the music? Because it started using... uh, The only way I can describe it is... Sort of Joy Division style, sort of seventies, eighties style punk. Right. That, yeah, and 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 that, I thought, wait a minute, this has maybe been the nineteen sixties. I mean, there's only one other film that I saw use that. That was that was a, a, a the, the 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 true history of the Kelly Gang where they used punk in that as well, and and, and that worked for that film because it had a sort of raw sort of punk edge to it. This, it just felt right out of place, and I actually felt. It made it even colder because if if any any people know their music, they know uh, Joy Division used to be as a as a I believe is it Joy Division something to do with the Nazis and they used to be called Warsaw as well and obviously the Cold War yeah, and yeah, yeah. and it and it made it made the film feel even more colder. For I did like the music. Maybe that's just because I used to live in Manchester for seven years. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, and, but, and, and therefore, you were used to everything being wittery, miserable, and black and white. Therefore, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, <laughs> it was actually Salford I lived in because it was the university I went to uh-huh. as well. Yeah, but other than that, if it, I think if it kept to the this, the, the beginning, the sort of disturbing part of the beginning, and kept to that story, the film might have been better. But you're right. What you say. Uh, yeah, but the black and white. Because there was some bits, there was bits when they were, they were filming, it suddenly turned to colour, and I thought, why did they do that? I have a feeling I'm repeating myself here, but the number one reason I strongly dislike black and white films in the modern era, even if they're covering older eras, yeah. even if they are covering 1940s conflict, 1930s conflict, 1920s, it's, it, it makes me think, you are trying to sell me a product here. 
you don't trust yourself as a crew and as a cast to sell me of war or to sell me of something going on without making it black and white. You should be able to do that in colour by either adding something to a lens or some special effects or whatever you want to do to sell it to me. Do it to me properly with props, with actors, the choice of faces that you use in the film, you know, the, the fields that you're shooting. Whatever you need to do, do it. Don't just shoot it in modern day Lithuania, which I assume this is, and it clearly looks like it to me. But yeah. because it's black and white, therefore we've got away with it. No, you haven't got away with it because your product sucks. So, no, whoever this guy is, you know, I don't give a shit about his next movie. Couldn't care less about it uh, because I just, I, he's proven himself to be a horrendous debut filmmaker. Unlike Supernova, where there is a shred of stuff here. There's something there that makes you think, okay, I'm not going to rush to see his next movie, but it might actually be at least watchable. This is just offensively unwatchable, unwatchable to me. Uh, and I, I, I think Lithuanian cinema is going to have to take a hike for the time being. Yeah. <laughs> but, then again, it, but then again, it goes that you might have to go the other way. Oh, it, it, you know, when, it, when, when I get that irate about something, it makes me determined to actually watch a Lithuanian filmmaker <laughs> who knows what he's doing and celebrate that Lithuanian film director. This is not that person anyway. No, it's not. It's definitely not. That's the end of the podcast. Uh, so you know what's coming me and Ben will be back with you uh, at the end of the month we'll have three films uh, and then after that obviously I'll be back with Paul where we will do the second most nominated Yussi award film <laughs> and, uh, yeah I- I'm actually looking forward to it because I know what it is uh, I'm looking forward I to it I don't I don't uh, no it's uh, uh, it-, it should be it-, it can't be worse let's be fair as we say <laughs> but again nothing can be worse than than uh, Isaiah Cass so uh on that cheerful note, I'll speak to you all very soon, and thank you for listening. Bye-bye.